This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. TL Talk Radio Season 4, Episode 27. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 27 of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funy-Hatton and Randy Ziegenfuss, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. And I'm Lynn Funy-Hatton. Good afternoon, Randy. Hello, Lynn. So today we're talking with Patty Alper, uh, the author of Teach to Work. And for our listeners this year, Randy and I have taken an intern in our our building. Um, we are working with a social media advisory intern. It's a new learning experience for us, for the district, and for this um, young learner. So really excited to make some connections between the book, Teach to Work, How a Mentor, a Mentee, and a Project Can Close the Skills Gap in America and Our Work Here in Salisbury. Patty is the president of Alper Portfolio Group, a marketing and consulting company, and is a board member of both the Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship and US 2020, the White House initiative to build mentorship in STEM careers. Patty has also been appointed to the Corporate Committee for a Million Women Mentors. Her experiences have led to roles as a prominent speaker and the author of the book we just shared, as well as a 35-year career in business coupled with decades of hands-on experience working directly with youth. She's uniquely qualified to share her understanding of the growing skills gap from both perspectives. The employers who seek to build a pipeline and hire better prepared youth for 21st century jobs and the youth who are often ill-equipped or ill-trained to enter the new workforce. So welcome to the show, Patty. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and join you all. We're excited as well. And we ran across uh, some of your work through Education Reimagined. Uh, you had two uh Articles that were posted in their uh, digital newsletter, which we'll link to, in, we'll link those actually in the in the show notes. Um, but then, through reading those, I had learned that you wrote this book. So we wanted to connect with you uh, and see how your work is connecting to some of the things that we're trying to change here in education. So to start our conversation today, let's uh, hear what were some of the big ideas, or what are some of the big ideas behind this book, Teach to Work. Why is it a good text? that those who are leading K-12 like we are might want to consider consulting? Well, I'd like to answer that both generically from a big picture point of view and also personally. So the big ideas here are uh, there is a skills gap going on right now, and there's many definitions which we could go into further. I believe the book is one answer, not the only one, but one idea 
that addresses bringing together the academic and the business sectors in a productive, um, value-added way. Um, I believe that there is a treasure trove of skills, availability, you know the term ready, willing, and able? Mm -hmm. uh, I believe the corporate world, the retirement world are ready, willing, and able and want to play a role. Um, they want to be valued for their knowledge base if they were only tapped in, if, if they were tapped into that sort of what they have to offer could say that better. Mm -hmm. um, another concept for the book is that that right now there there is a I believe that kids can walk away from doing a project together with a professional with a sense of accomplishment, with a sense of real practical knowledge. What is it like to take an idea to build something from nothing, to um, fill a need that is not being met, um, to um, present it, to have a real world impact, and at the end of the day, have a real accomplishment. So I've, I've come to this um, basically through my role with the Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship. Um, I wanted to see what went on in the classroom and how teachers taught business. And having built a company myself from the ground up, um, I thought, geez, it's great for a teacher to teach business, but I've done it. You know, I've blood, sweat, and tears, beat the streets and built something from nothing. And maybe the kids could learn something from me too. Maybe I could bring something to bear to this conversation. And so I approached the organization. I actually stepped off the board. I wrote a proposal and I developed a mentoring model. At the time it was called Adopt a Class. And um, I personally have been going in and mentoring youth on their business plans and helping them launch companies uh, for 18 years now. And I have brought countless professionals from finance, from real estate, from manufacturing, from pharmaceuticals, from technology. Uh, now, business is a great equalizer and it kind of fits with all of those uh, modalities. But when you put a project at the center of that relationship between a, a, a business person and a student, all of a sudden there's a, the, the culture chasm breaks down. There's a reason to dialogue. So the other major concept in the book is something I call project-based mentoring. Um, and your educators will know the terms project-based learning. So I'm basically adding a mentor to that concept. So big picture ideas for the book, synopsis, there's a growing skills gap with technology, with uh, job loss, with globalization. There is a treasure trove of corporations who I've interviewed in the book who want to help who um, are creating bigger and bigger mentorship models because they cannot find the kinds of skills they're looking for in 
in the youth population. And given the right push and the right training and maybe a project in the middle, that is the catalyst that can bring this intergenerational dialogue together. So you talked with us a little bit about the why, and that's where you start your book on the why. Why is it important for adults with this experience and knowledge to work with teens and young adults? Um, Is there anything you would like to add there? I have six points I'd like to add to that, okay? Um, Just having done this for so long, having sat with youth myself um, and observed from their letters, I get letters back every year. I have 18 notebooks of letters from students. Mm. So if I were to kind of create a synopsis of how adults and professionals might differ from teachers, what we might bring to bear that an educator might not. This is kind of like a synopsis of that experience. The first thing is, um, one, if I did it, if I made it through the bumps in the road and my trajectory from high school to a business career, they hear my path as a mentor. Somehow it speaks to that kid saying, if I did it, you can too. So it creates access to another world that they may not have otherwise. So we represent an other world to them, place B. Two, um, I'm here. I'm going to come back and you can count on me. So, and I'm, uh, that behavior begins to um, represent character and um, being reliable and doing what you say you're going to do. Three, um, here's how. Now you try. And I could give you countless examples of working with students on their projects, on their plans, um, and helping them create actionable steps. Um, So that begins the beginnings of skills development. Um, Four, I'd say um, one of my roles is to be a devil's advocate. Um, Really a supportive, but honest, healthy dialogue that can incorporate disagreement. But most importantly, and this is five, and I say this to every student I sit down with, I'm not grading you. I'm not your judge. I'm not your boss. I'm not your teacher. I'm not your minister. Um, I, I have no authority over you. Um, we're working on your project and this is your idea and you have every right and reason to reject ideas that I propose. I'm not the boss, you are. So I give over all authority to that kid. Um, And what that creates is not only a safe space, but it makes them respected and it creates a new form of collaboration in an intergenerational relationship, Mm -hmm. which is unusual. And the last one I'm gonna say is By simply listening, by coming back, and by listening, 
my very behavior says to that student, you're important. I want to hear what you have to say. And I believe that with that comes self-esteem and motivation. Mm-hmm. And many of the, maybe the inner city kids, at least that I've worked with, they don't have adults like that in their life. And I, I'm sure some of these things teachers absolutely do, but putting it on the premises of I've done this, I've been on the street, I built a business, or I've been a scientist, or I've uh, built apps, I've been in technology, um, it comes from a different place, having done it, than being a sort of a theorist, mm-hmm. like a theorist. If, I hope that's helpful. Mm-hmm. So more of the lens of the practitioner um, sharing the work and the experience with the young adults. Exactly. As as schools move in this direction of trying to create these partnerships between the school and, and the outside world, we, ha- we have in this uh, project-based mentoring this idea of the mentor and the mentee. And I think what you answered in the previous question gives us some idea of what distinguishes these roles, but is there anything else that you'd like to say around the role of the mentor and the mentee, that things that we should be looking for, things that we might expect as we start to create these kinds of programs that we might expect to be their responsibilities and, and what, are those, what those roles actually look like? Well, that's definitely um, why I wrote the book. Um, I, I think clarifying roles, if you want to ask business people to step up. I believe if you have a clear defined role for them, you're more likely to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think business people uh, of any ilk like ambiguity. So um, what is in the book, we've sort of defined what is the role of the mentor in this project-based mentoring concept. Um, And then I also believe that that mentor needs some training before they kind of go in to work with the youth because it's a culture shock. You know, it's very different. I try to describe this. It's very, I have to prepare my, my people. I've been doing it for years before they enter the classroom. The school environment is very different than the corporate environment. Mm You know, you, you sit down at a corporate meeting and you're there on time and you have an agenda and you have an action plan and there's a leader. And in classes, kids come in late and they put their head down on their arm and they not paying attention, it looks like the, they are. Um, so the, the role, um, I, I do think it should be clear, like, how many months are you going to come? How many times a month do you think you have to visit? Let's kind of get that clear up front in a letter of understanding. And the role I've outlined in this project concept is um, first a mentor might help a student where, where a teacher would give an overarching assignment like in my classes, each kid had to come up with a business plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but that could vary by subject matter. Um, 
it could be social studies, it could be technology, it could be marketing, it could be communications, but there's an overarching project assignment for all students. It might even be competitive where at the end of the day, they stand up and compete about their um, delivery and presentations on their projects. So what is the mentor's role? The, mentor's role is to sort of push and test the viability of the idea that the student comes up with. Um, stay, staying in touch with the teacher, you know, all th throughout. Um, there is a kind of gentle accountability by coming back repeatedly because it might be a long-term project. Mm -hmm. It might be a, sem a semester or year long. Um, there might be um, an action, steps, a plan. Um, there might be helping to define who the audience is that you're going to touch with this um, plan, this project. There might be developing, once you have actionable steps, where does, when are you going to do them? I, I find repeatedly kids are not very good at time management. And so it's one thing to say you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna do something, but where the uh, metal meets the road is when you take action and you do things. And that's where I think that the uh, mentor is most helpful. Um, I, I have to tell you, I've helped many kids go way beyond designing a plan. They launch companies mm -hmm. when we work with Wow. I mean, every single kid I work with launches. They turn a profit. They know their audience. They know their price points. So um, it, it has a real world outcome. Um, the other role of the mentor would be to help that student through obstacles that they're going to face. Uh, you know, they write a hypothesis and things go wrong. It's true in chemistry or science. This is what I think I want to do. But as you research and learn and implement, it changes. So, you know, how do you keep the student motivated through those obstacles? And then the last role is helping the student prepare an oral defense. I happened to believe that that is one of the culminating sort of learning experiences to have to defend your, your project in a public forum. Mm -hmm. And that I even suggest in the book, maybe that could happen at the office environment of the mentors mm -hmm. group. So make it as authentic so, as possible. Yeah. So they're having a real experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's there, it's theirs. Um, the other thing I just want to say, because I've had to work so closely with teachers, but when we come in as mentors, we are not disrupting the class. Um, I personally come in about every, well, I travel a lot right now, but I probably come in about every two and a half weeks all year long. And the teacher sets aside students. I think there's like three of us that mentor about 30 kids. So you could divide it that we each get 10 kids or it, it can divide any number of ways. Um, but 
the teacher assigns us during our two hours that we're visiting, which kids we're going to see for the day. And we meet in an office or a library. So we're not disrupting the teacher's time and curriculum. So I'm just kind of painting the, the logistical mm-hmm. picture. Mm-hmm. So thinking about, um, you've really given us a lot to think about with sort of the six ideas and then building on that and give us in, giving us what are the actual um, processes that you would expect the business mentor uh, to engage in with with a student, um, setting those clear expectations and providing feedback and determining feasibility of um, the project and then ultimately some mentoring with showcasing uh, the final oral defense at the end there. Thinking about the big picture of what you've created here in Teach to Work, what do you hope educators and workplace experts will take away from this resource? I hope it evolves into just what we're doing right now. This is like one of my goals is that educators, so thank you guys, that educators are beginning to have a dialogue about bringing mentorship into their sanctum, Mm -hmm. sort of opening the walls uh, to outside, to to the business community. Um, I'm very pleased to say I have spoken with several deans of education at university, community college levels. Um, I have all kinds of research um, from Gallup, and I've just actually learned of other research um, of the huge value of mentorship and projects in learning, the combination of the two. Um, But what I hope that will come out of the book is an actual practice. Like, how do you put that into effect? So um, I want to open the dialogue. I would love more and more and more business people. Um, I want educators to know that business people want this role. I just want to share with you, this is like a huge surprise to me if I had to talk about a hypothesis when I began this project and a a surprise outcome. My opening chapter, I interview five huge corporations. You've seen the book, but for your audience, Comcast, 3M, Pfizer, MasterCard, and Ernst & Young. They all have abundant mentoring programs. Companies do this and they love it. Um, They're doing it most importantly to build a pipeline because they are not finding the kinds of applicants with the skills they want. So that's something educators need to hear. There's a miss. Somehow there's a miss. Um, And I believe this is a way to correct that. Um, But two, uh, they want to excite youth in their fields. Um, as I sat on, sit on the board of US 2020 and Million Women Mentors, there's so many STEM careers that these companies like Chevron and Lockheed Martin, they're all stepping up to mentor because they want to interest students in their fields. Um, And they get huge takeaways from doing this as well. I've written about this in the um, Education Reimagined articles. 
it makes their, it's a wonderful training ground for their um, employees. Um, it teaches them leadership skills. It teaches them communication skills. They love giving back. Um, it makes their culture different. Um, so there's many, many great takeaways from corporations on why they want to do this, if only asked. So I don't want schools to believe that you are in this sort of lonely place where nobody wants to help. They, companies, retirees want a role. So one of the things that you mentioned uh, in that last answer was um, companies willing and corporations willing to get involved in this work, if only asked. So from our perspective, uh, as K-12, if we want to move in this direction, what are some strategies that we can um, use to engage companies? What are what are the best ways to approach uh, corporations and companies about developing a mentoring relationship? Well, you know, there's, there's sort of two avenues you can do this through. Um, one is you could create a relationship with nonprofits. Like the nifty organization I'm involved with, Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship, is in schools all over the country. So you, and they are more the liaison between bringing the mentor into the classroom. Um, or you would definitely need to have a community liaison representative at your school um, who sort of knows the public side um, and can communicate well. What I would recommend is have two or three or four classes, business maybe, technology, um, maybe a science, maybe marketing, maybe three or four teachers who are already doing projects with their students and tee them up, see if they would be interested in hosting three or four mentors on a recurring basis to their class. And then, then you have your sort of um, tactic of who to go talk to within your community. If you know you have a, bu a business class and a technology class and uh, maybe a communications or marketing class and a science class, then when you go talk to companies, um, you can talk to their communications departments or their business departments. It, it divides up kind of logically. Um, one of the things I outlined in one of those articles, I would love to do this with someone like Starbucks. Um, if I were in school, I would start by saying, what are the skills you most need in your employees today? How can we begin to listen to the requirements that you have? As a school, we'd like to do a listening tour and we wanna understand how we can best prepare students to be the kinds of employees that you're looking for. And we cannot do that without listening. And I would host a coffee with bagels or something and invite six or eight uh, companies in and listen. It's one of those articles you could put in your links. Mm -hmm. I did link that one. 
So then you kind of roll, I listed, I think, a few kinds of questions to have in that dialogue there in that meeting. Um, and then it kind of rolls around to, will you help us do this? Can we work on this together? Because certainly the project concept fits in the wheelhouse of their employees. It's not heavy lifting. So it's a logical kind of a step-by-step -step process. I think the huge takeaway for the youth is that they begin to connect the dots and begin to apply real world experiences from real world people. And I think it turns them on. I wanted to share with you, if I could, this is two paragraphs, a little letter from one of my students, because this really speaks volumes to sort of a takeaway. Do I have time for this? Sure. sure. Dear Miss Patty, today there are rare occasions when you find people of such high standards willing to visit and teach high school students and enjoy it, especially at a predominantly African-American school where we are looked down upon with stereotypes and chosen to fail. What makes you different is you wanted and cared about us differing from our surroundings. With your encouragement, I have walked away with the knowledge of running a business, which I was completely unaware of in the beginning. Alone, I feel completely gifted to be able to work in your presence. There is no physical or mental way to repay all that you've done for me personally. So I can send a token of it in this letter. And thanks to you, I have found a whole other view of the world and the kindness of strangers. Hmm. I mean, that, I, that just speaks volumes to me. I mean, that's why I've written the book. That's uh, if, if more of us can be doing this to like excite somebody who doesn't feel so good about themselves and teach them a whole new skill that they want to play out and have a whole nother worldview of strangers. I mean, that's a, those are big ideas in two mm -hmm. paragraphs. So I think that many, many more people could play a role that would have an impact. Mm -hmm. And I'd love schools to be open to the, the idea. So thank you for listening and reading and all those good things. Thank you very much. So as we wrap up our show here today, what's next for you, Patty? What are you working on now that you might like to share with our listeners? You know, uh, this is my trajectory. This, this is kind of it. Um, I am still a mentor. I'm going to class tomorrow morning. Um, I through I have a family foundation and I'm actually giving away uh, corporate awards for corporations mentor of the year. I just attended a mentor conference uh, where 10 out of 50 companies, 10 corporations uh, got their mentor awards from us and a book, which is exciting. Um, I'm speaking about it. I continue to write about it. I continue to be interviewed. And it's sort of my trajectory. It's what I mm -hmm. care about. Mm -hmm. So thank you for 
making this happen. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us today, Patty. In the show notes, we did link some um, connections to Patty's work, her blog, um, companion blog to the website, teachtowork.com, also the book. You can connect her at, with her at info at teachtowork.com. And also there are a couple of those articles from Education Reimagined that Patty referenced. And I would just like to say thanks, Patty, for all of your work. It's very inspiring, especially um, to us personally. A lot of the work that we're trying to do is is to make education more personalized and more relevant. And I think that the letter that you read, clearly that experience was very personal and very relevant um, for that learner there too. So uh, you're doing good work, and, and we appreciate you taking the time to share some of that with us today. My total pleasure. Um, let's all make it a, a, let's teach these kids some more skills and make the, the job world in America kind of come together in a more successful way. I think that would be a great outcome. And that's so a, thank you, guys. And that's a great vision. Thank you. Each episode, you. we leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking conversation. This episode's question, what role could you play in making mentorships available to learners in your building or district? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared today, visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for season four, episode 27. That's all for this episode. We'll be back soon with more conversations featuring other innovative thought leaders. Thanks again, Patty. Thanks, Patty. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.